the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Later, we'll be on Apple Podcasts, and you can always find me on TalkLawRadio.com. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only, and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information contained here should only be used when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. New businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in guardianships, probate, business disputes, breach of contract, real estate disputes, and personal injury. Check out our blogs at marquartlawfirm.com for more information about a variety of topics. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about the law on the radio here. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help Sandy Sullivan and me give good information about preventing financial exploitation of the elderly today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. You can message me today on Saturday, September 25th, on Facebook Messenger. You can search your Messenger app for Talk Law Radio. Uh, My wife says you might have to scroll down the page quite a ways before you see the logo of the Lady of Justice in the red, white, and blue colors. Or you can search your Facebook app for Talk Law Radio to find the Talk Law Radio Facebook page And then you can scroll down and look for send a message. If you send a message today, I might be able to answer that question on the air. Also, you could call the radio station and ask a question on the air. You can reach us today at 210-308-8867. That's 210-308-8867. Today is going to be a great show. Sandy Sullivan, our guest, has lived in San Antonio her whole life. Sandy's career focuses on preventing financial fraud and exploitation. 
She's a certified fraud examiner. She retired from Frost Bank after 30 years. Now she's open to helping other institutions fight fraud and exploitation. If you want to contact Sandy Sullivan, you can find her on LinkedIn. Send her a message there. Today she's going to be talking with me about financial exploitation of the elderly, seniors, older persons, and how to prevent it and what to do if you think that somebody has been exploited. Okay, Sandy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd, so much for inviting me today. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. So you're from, you grew up in San Antonio. You were born here, Correct. right? What high school did you go to? I went to Alamo Heights. Okay. And uh, did you go to college after that? Um, I, uh, after I got out of high school, I worked for a couple of years and then I met my now husband, uh, and he was, uh, finishing up school. And so I decided to uh, start back, uh, in college. I had, uh, started and then stopped, mm-hmm. uh, went back for a couple of years and then it was time for us to, uh, get married and start a family and, uh, what have you. And so, uh, I never ended up, uh, finishing college. Okay. What did you study? What was your favorite topic? Um, I was studying accounting um, because that was the department I was actually in when I first started at Frost Bank was in the accounting department. Um, and so I had 18 hours of accounting. Um, and then the school found out I was taking mostly accounting classes and none of my regular classes and stuff. So they stopped me doing that. But I enjoyed accounting. I had a really good mentor uh, at the bank um, who uh, helped me out with my accounting classes and what have you. So. That's what got you started in this field of expertise. Uh, yes, the accounting in the accounting. Uh, accounting is quite helpful when you're uh, investigating fraud. Um, it's always called follow the money. No matter what uh, what you're looking for, if you follow the money, you can go back and try to find uh, where the fraud started or where the exploitation started. So it was a real good background for me. Soon after you you. Engaged in this field of study, you started getting certifications? Um, No, not immediately. So um, I was in the fraud area, I mean, in the accounting area for quite a few years. Um, We went through uh, branch um, banking, uh, which we had not been in before. And so it took me a couple of years before I actually got to the fraud area. Um, And then I was so busy raising uh, children, getting them through school and off to college and everything, um, that I ended up not getting my certification until uh, later. Um, So I'd already been in the fraud industry for about 20 years by the time I got my uh, certification. okay. What led you to the, the fraud area? Well, it was actually um, an old boss of mine uh, from the accounting area called me and said that they um, had an opening as the head of their uh, fraud prevention area uh, and wanted me to take it, which is totally different in the bank. You go from, you know, accounting over to the operations side. So uh, it was an unusual move for me, but uh, uh, I love challenges. Um, I learned very quickly. who to get involved uh, with me. And so there was a young attorney, um, knew law, uh, I knew banking, and so we helped each other out uh, when it came to fraud situations. Okay. So they knew that follow the money requires a, a good accounting person. Right. It's. I mean, it's very helpful to, mm-hmm. to understand that. So I knew how to read bank statements. I knew, you know, uh, what to look for. Um, when I was uh, trying to figure out when the frauds, you know, might have started and uh, what have you. So in dealing with fraud, it, it ran its gambit. So it was, you know, I was dealing in commercial uh, customers who had uh, fraud. I was dealing in elder fraud, um, individual uh, fraud situations. So it was very helpful to be able to read the different um, financial statements to understand what was going on with a particular customer. Okay. And... So we mentioned that certified fraud examiner certification. Um, what is that? How did how do you qualify for that? So um, uh, there is a, a retired uh, gentleman uh, that started the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners um, back about thirty years ago. 
Um, they're based out of Austin. Um, I knew about them. I did a lot of research when I started in the fraud area because it was so new to me. So I was researching as much information as I could, reaching out to different financial institutions that knew, uh, that had been in the, uh, or people in that institution that knew, uh, about fraud situations and what have you. And somebody, uh, told me about, um, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. So that's how I, uh, knew about the certification. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about fraud and exploitation. And I'm here with Sandy Sullivan. If you're just joining us, if you're just getting in the car or turning on the radio, we're talking about fraud and exploitation, how to prevent it, how to identify it, and what to do if if you've been attacked or if your loved one's been attacked. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. able to care for yourself or your home. Without powers of attorney, your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuit to declare you to be incapacitated. Better yet, ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live, how you want to be taken care of if you have a heart attack, stroke, or develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, here with Sandy Sullivan, certified fraud examiner, uh, retired uh, fraud examiner. Is that right? Yes. Was that the title? A certified fraud examiner, correct. A CFE. Yeah, we're on uh, Talk Law Radio, 930 AM, The Answer. And so if you have a question about fraud or exploitation, give us a call at 210-308-308. 8867, or you can send me a message through Talk Law Radio's uh, Facebook page. Okay, now that we're back, wanted to mention again that if if you're interested in asking questions of Sandy or you have an opportunity for her to talk to your group or give a presentation or offer her some opportunity, you can find her through LinkedIn. Sandy Sullivan on LinkedIn. Okay, so we've been talking about fraud and and fraud, certified fraud examina- examiner. Uh, we're going to continue with uh, financial exploitation of the elderly and how to define that, how to identify it, how to prevent it, and then what do you do when you see it. Okay, Sandy, so let's finish where we sort of left off with... Um, you got your your certified fraud examiner uh, certification, and I wanted to ask you what would you say fraud management is? Um, uh, fraud management is just what it uh, uh, implicates. It's trying to manage the fraud, um, you know, that's going on within a uh, company. So, for a financial institution, you're trying to manage the fraud so that your customer uh, doesn't become a victim. And so we're trying to be proactive, making sure that, you know, we educate the customer uh, about uh, fraud, what it is, how it could happen, what they need to do, what are the red flags, that type of thing. Um, but we're also trying to manage the fraud. So if the customer is not paying attention or it already become a victim, um, then we're managing the fraud from the bank side uh, to make sure that we're, you know, uh, on top of things. We're making sure that we uh, stop what we used to call stop the bleeding. Um, if the customer's already lost the money, we want to, you know, look at things as quick as possible to determine what we need to do to either close out the account or to, you know, stop some of the transactions that are going on that is causing the loss. So it's just managing the frost across all lines of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I first started in the fraud area, you know, the fraud in a financial institution usually happened in the at the teller line or in the personal banking side. But as years went by, it can happen in any area uh, of the bank. And so you did seminars and presentations to groups, to attorneys, Correct. to bankers, to accountants. Um, 
What other things uh, do banks typically do to inform their customers? Well, with the, the, the Internet and the websites that the various um, financial institutions have, they're going to put information out on their website about fraud uh, situations, things that are going on, things that they want the customer to be aware of, uh, things, that, you know, how can they protect themselves, and maybe, a, you know, a telephone number if you have an issue, you know, call this particular number. Um, you know, there's various brochures and different things that financial institutions, you know, uh, can provide to their customers. There's a, a, a identity theft plan that's put out by the Federal Trade Commission. Um, you know, there's different uh, things that we can tell the customer over the telephone. Here is a website to go to. This will give you the appropriate information that you need to help you out. Um, we're a resource for, you know, what they need to do the next step. Uh, maybe they haven't filed a police report, but they have fraud uh, or exploitation going on in their account. Um, and we might suggest that they go to, you know, the police department to file a case. So there's a lot of various ways that we can educate, you know, the, the public as well as our customers about fraud. Yeah, that's good. And you still in, enjoy helping people understand that. Absolutely. So, yes, uh, you know, besides doing your show, I have a, a lot of things uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks and uh, months uh, that I'll continue doing some presentations out in the public. How do you distinguish a simple fraud case from a complex fraud case? What would that look like to a layperson? Um Complex. Um, a simple might be, you know, a couple of uh, a few transactions that were done by um uh, a customer, you know, somebody uh, stole a couple of checks and, you know, they forged the person's, you know, name on those checks. Um, but the customer realized what it was and, you know, and we were able to stop it. That's kind of a simple case. Um, a complex case would be a, um, uh, it could be a commercial customer. It could be, um, a, you know, an elderly customer where there's multiple things going on at the same time. There's a lot of transactions going out of the account. Maybe there's, you know, ACH automatic. Uh, clearinghouse uh, transactions coming out of the account. Maybe money is being moved from one account to the other to cover up, uh, you know, transactions that were done out of one account to make it look like, uh, you know, the money's still there, mm -hmm. um, that there's actually movement. There may be a lot of wires in and out of the account. So anything that has multiple things going on at the same time is going to be what we consider a complex account. Um, and those are usually, you know, things where we stop and get other individuals involved. If, if it's a complex case and it could be ongoing, we might get law enforcement involved immediately, uh, let them know, give them a heads up. We have something going on. We want you to know about it. We might have to get adult protective services involved if it's a um, senior issue, uh, somebody 65 or older. Um, financial institutions are also required, and, and so is the public, required to report anything on somebody 18 and older that has a disability. So anybody 18 to 64 that has a disability, uh, we have to report to APS if there's something going on with mm -hmm. them, maybe some type of fraud. And anybody 65 and older, same thing for APS. Okay. I've noticed um, that real estate title companies always have a warning on their emails about making wire transfers. Um, is that part of what you had to do on the bank side was uh, was was train people about wire fraud? Exactly. So we have we have a warning. Uh, we would have a warning as well. Uh, talking to a customer, they're getting ready to send out a wire. Um, one of the biggest uh, uh, frauds that uh, currently goes on is something called BEC fraud, which is business email compromise. Um, and it can also be account compromise uh, fraud as well. And so it's within the real estate title company, uh, property management companies where the bad guys know there are large dollar amounts being transferred back and forth. So maybe somebody gets a, um, a they're uh, buying some property. Um, they go to the real, the uh, title company. Title company says we're going to, you know, close on the uh, property next week. Um, be sure to have everything set up and ready to go to make the wire transfer. Um, person leaves, goes back to their office, and uh, two days later they get an email from the title company that says, oh, the seller wants to go ahead and um, make the transaction happen today. Go ahead and wire the money today. 
um, the customer picks up the phone or goes into the financial institution and asks them to go ahead and wire the money without making a phone call or mm-hmm. you know actually physically visiting uh, with the title company and say, why are we closing today? You told me next week. Why has it changed? That type of thing. So again, we're trying to educate about all kinds of fraud. It's mm-hmm. you know, and that fraud can change you know daily. And the bad guys are very good about you know doing one kind of fraud one day. It kind of goes away a couple of months later. A new fraud comes in, and then they go back to the you know the BEC fraud or the account compromise fraud uh, back again. So it's a continuous training that we have to do, not only of employees but of customers and and the community at large. That reminds me of uh, some some older people that I've met with or, or their adult children that I've met with where they said that uh, their parent or grandparent was um, investing in the Jamaican lottery or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. Um, yeah. On the bank side, you, you see money going out to a foreign country, is that, is that a red flag in that, some cases? Yeah, absolutely a red flag, especially, you know, a red flag, you know, for a wire transfer. If a customer has never done a wire before, never done a large wire before, uh, wire going out to a foreign country, uh, especially a country that we know with their uh, lots of potential uh, fraud uh, situations like Jamaica, the Jamaican lottery and uh, what have you, that would be, you know, a, a huge red flag for us. The unfortunate thing is um, when customers come in and they say they want to wire money out, um, they have a tendency to fib, and I'll use that as a nice word. They tend mm-hmm. to fib to the financial institution. So when I go out and do presentations to people, I explain to them, when you go into your bank and you're getting ready to do a transaction, don't lie to us. Tell us the truth of what you're doing so that we can help protect you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, people will say, well, you don't want me to have my money. And I'm like, I'm a financial institution. Of course, I want you to have your money. Um, but if you fib to us about why you're sending the money off, we can't help you. Um, and I've had some very, very intricate stories told to me by individuals, and you would not believe the storytelling that can come with that. Another one that I'm reminded about is um, uh, they get a call, says, uh, my granddaughter's in jail in Mexico, and uh, we'll release her if, if you send us this amount of money. Well, if they just had simply called granddaughter or attempted to right. on on mobile phone, she would have answered. <laughs> right. They would have been able to stop it. Unfortunately, the bad guy is very good at what they do. So they um, it's called a grandparent scam, and it's really nicknamed a granny scam because the bad guy really typically likes to go after females. Females are very territorial about their babies and their babies' babies. Mm-hmm. And so if they think they're in trouble, the common sense goes right out the door. Oh, my gosh, you know, little Susie's in, you know, jail. I need to get her out. I've got mm-hmm. to do it now. They're told not to tell anybody about it. You can't, you know, can't let them know. My parents will be so mad at me, and I'll get this all straightened out when I uh, come back home and what have you. But, yeah, if they just pick up the phone and call the parents and say, I didn't even know Susie was in Mexico or mm-hmm. uh, wherever she might be, or pick up and call the grandchild, um, you know, to find out what's going on and, and uh, why they need the, you know, money. Um, but they're, you know, they're very good at what they do. They use intimidation. They use vulgar language uh, to seniors. Uh, they use the emotion factor. And so that common sense quickly goes out the door. Okay. Well, that's another thing to be on on the watch for. Exactly. Another interesting thing that you did um, was something with the FBI. Tell us about that. Um, So I was in the first FBI Citizens uh, Academy class back in 2002. Um, Over the years, I've uh, built great um, resources um, and relationships with various law enforcement agencies and adult protective services and, and different things that can help, um, you know, when I had a case and that I was investigating and I needed some additional help or I needed to bounce something off of somebody. Um, but the FBI Citizens Academy was a way for the FBI to go out amongst the public um, and 
and educate them about what they can do and what they cannot do, uh, what their uh, abilities are. And so there was a group of us um, at that at that first class. I think there were about 20 of us in the class, various um, uh, careers, uh, different uh, career paths and uh, what have you. I was in banking. There was somebody from uh, a newspaper. There was attorney in there. There was a doctor and what have you. And uh, we learned a lot of really great things that we didn't know about. So we got to meet each, like, unit chief um, and talk to them and find out more information about them. So it was a six-week class. And in your career, you probably had uh, occasion where you had to work with the FBI. Yes, Financial uh, fraud that that was happening through, through your bank. Yes. Okay. FBI, Secret Service, most any agency that you can think of out there, I've probably dealt with except for the CIA. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Well, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we'll be talking more about exploitation of the elderly, helping seniors and their families identify exploitation, prevent it, and what to do when you see it. Be right back. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer and on Facebook Live. We'll also be on uh, Apple Podcasts later. And you can always find us on TalkLawRadio.com. We're back with Sandy Sullivan. She's had her career on uh, preventing financial fraud and exploitation in a bank and after 30 years, uh, retired from a bank, and now she's open to helping other institutions and organizations fight fraud and exploitation. If you want to ask her a question or you have an opportunity for her, find her on uh, LinkedIn, Sandy Sullivan on LinkedIn. So today we're talking about financial exploitation, how to prevent it, and what to do if you think somebody is a victim of it. I did get a question through Facebook from James. Thank you, James. Um, The question is, are the TV advertisements about people fraudulently selling or mortgaging another person's home and the actual owner being responsible for the fraudulent and fake signature on the mortgage? I know that's um, through title and, and mortgages, but... Uh, do you have any experience with that, Sandy? Um, no, because that's, I mean, that wasn't part of mine. Mine's, uh, you know, financial related. Of course, yeah. mortgage is financial, but the, uh, we were out of the mortgage business for, you know, quite a long time. Okay. Uh, well, I'll have to look into that. That's a great question. It gives me an idea for a new show. So thank you, James. Okay, back to exploitation. Uh, you mentioned that. You, as the bank, the bank had resources for helping customers understand how to save themselves from being exploited. I also found information on the Texas Attorney General's website, uh, the Department of Justice website, and, of course, uh, Adult Protective Services, Department of Family Services here in Texas has a lot of information on their website, too. Um, so those are some additional resources that, that people can go to today. And so what I found interesting on the Attorney General's website is uh, they had definitions of abuse, and so I think this is a good um, way for people to know what to look for. Um, physical abuse, sometimes you see bruises, and so, um, you know, that... That's a, a red flag that you can look for and ask about. Why do you have a bruise, and and identify the abuse that way. But sometimes abuse isn't isn't hitting. Sometimes it's neglect. Sometimes it's um, uh, emotional, um, verbal abuse. So those are things to look out for. 
And neglect, the attorney general defines as uh, the failure of a caretaker to provide goods or services, including medical services, which are necessary to avoid physical or emotional harm or pain. Um, Did you have training at the bank about identifying physical abuse or neglect? Uh, we talked about um, uh, those situations, and so um, you know we trained our frontline staff to recognize, especially verbal abuse. You're on the phone; you can hear, you know, somebody yelling at the person in the background, or a customer comes in with somebody else, you know, into the financial institution, and that person's being very abusive to the person. I told you to do this; we're going to get this done. Uh, that type of thing. Again, looking for you know bruises or arm in a sling or, you know, a change in uh, their demeanor, uh, their uh, physical appearance, uh, whether, you know, before they dress very nicely, now all of a sudden um, their clothes are uh, dirty. They come in with, uh, you know, an odor about them mm-hmm. that's not something uh, you would have uh, had before. And so, yes, we did, you know, train for those uh, type of things to be aware of the customer. You know, we were, uh, you know, m- most banks, you know, you know, pride themselves as being relationship banks, which mean that we care about the person. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not there just for, you know, to take their deposits and, you know, help them with their, you know, their cashing their checks and what have you. Uh, we're there, you know, for them as an individual or as a, you know, as a customer, we care mm-hmm. about, you know, them. And so, yes, we did uh, train our uh, people to be aware of that, to understand. Uh, also, just to throw in there, there's also something called self-neglect through the Adult Protective Services uh, okay. regulations um, that you can self-neglect as an individual. So, you know, if you are alone and you're all of a sudden your demeanor changes and you're, you know, not taking care of yourself and uh, your clothes are dirty or whatever, it may mean that maybe there's an onset of, you know, uh, some type of uh, illness dementia cognitive um, yeah, impairment uh, exactly and stuff it's something for us to notice you know miss so-and-so has always come in here dressed to the hilt you know mm-hmm. uh, and now all of a sudden <clears throat> she's coming in dressed differently we think something's wrong and she you know she's not sure what her account balance is even after we've told her three times and given her a copy of her statement so, so families should do this too Families should be aware of that as well. Yeah, keep an eye out and and visit now that the uh, the COVID uh, coronavirus pandemic numbers are are reduced and the restrictions on uh, visiting people and establishments are reduced. Um, get out there and visit your family members right. and find out how they're doing. Visit your neighbor. Make eye contact. That's a big thing. And so I think family thinks, oh, well, you know, I talked to grandma on the phone. She sounds really good. She knew what day it was and what have you. But then you go over to her house and uh, maybe there's the start of some hoarding and, and other things that you wouldn't have known just by talking to her over the telephone. But, but, or or if they don't let you inside. Right. <laughs> they don't, don't want you to come inside. Right. Right. And stuff. And so, uh, family and, you know, uh, neighbors need to be aware of the, you know, seniors around them. Um, pay attention, go visit them, knock on the door, take them some cookies, uh, but make that eye contact. It, it makes a big difference. Because isolation could be another sign that something's wrong. That's correct. Or it could open the door for, for a bad guy to, to start exploiting somebody. Right. So, you know, the yard man sees that, uh, uh, you know, that the little elderly person is starting to decline, what have you, you know, uh, could mean that now all of a sudden instead of paying $50, uh, you know, every other week for the yard to be mowed, now it's, you know, $200 every mm-hmm. two weeks, or he needed a loan, and I'll pay you back, but, you know, now there's, you know, $5,000 out of the checking account that she's, you know, paid out. So, yes, you need to pay attention. Isolation is a huge problem for seniors. Um, you know, getting out there, talking to them, making sure that, you know, they're socializing um, and that what have you. Isolation can be somebody's isolating them away from the family. Intentionally. Uh, intentionally, so that the family can't make contact with them. Uh, you know, we used to have situations where, you know, uh, we tried to call the customer uh, and we're always told the customer was asleep. Um, not necessarily the case. 
and uh, what have you. So we would send somebody out to the house, like law enforcement, to do a welfare check mm-hmm. uh, on the our customer to uh, make sure that they were okay. Uh, so family can do the same thing. Maybe you live in California and you d- can't get a hold of mom or, you know, your sister is saying mom's asleep all the time mm-hmm. every time you call. You too can send a law enforcement officer out there, you know, whether it's a sheriff or the uh, local law enforcement. Um, they'll go out and do a welfare check. They'll knock on the door and they'll and they can call you back and tell you what they what they saw and what they heard. Yeah, and sometimes people call me and they complain about these things of their their siblings, their adult siblings, and I say. Come down here and check for yourself. I mean, right. that's an expensive plane ticket, but it's probably worth it. Right. So. Yeah. You know, come visit mom, you know, every so often. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just, you know, rely on the, the telephone. Um, you know, it's it's very different how people act on a telephone as they act in person. Um, and if you can't see the decline of how they're, you know, keeping their personal uh, appearance up or they're not able to walk as well as they did before, or the house is totally in array, uh, array. Um, you know, you can't do that over a telephone. And we've got to quit being so uh, focused on our uh, Facebook and social media. Right, because that's not going to be enough. Okay, so I was talking about those definitions uh, from the Attorney General's website. Um, the Attorney General posted a definition of exploitation, which is a type of fraud, right? Correct. Uh, That website says it's a caretaker's illegal use of a senior's resources for monetary or personal benefit, profit, or gain. Seniors may need help with their finances, but unless they hand over control to another person, they have the same right as anyone else to receive, spend, invest, save, or give away their money. A family member, friend, or nursing home may not take control of a senior's money without the senior's permission. And so within your your duties as a fraud manager, uh, you had to deal with exploitation too. Oh, yeah. That was uh, probably, you know, a good majority of a a lot of the things that I uh, did uh, was the exploitation. Um, It's a huge problem. And um, so it's a trusted individual. You know, it could be a neighbor. uh, It could be a family member. It could be your CPA, um, you know, that could take advantage or exploit you. Uh, Exploiting is defrauding the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, They're taking their assets, doing something with them, or asking the senior to sign a a piece of paper, uh, thinking it's one thing, and it turns out they're signing their house over to, you know, the individual. Uh, and what have you. That's exploitation. It's the defrauding of, an, uh, of a uh, senior. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about how to prevent it and how to report it. So stay tuned. able to care for yourself or your home. Without powers of attorney, your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuit to declare you to be incapacitated. Better yet, ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live, how you want to be taken care of if you have a heart attack, stroke, or develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Sandy Sullivan, certified fraud examiner, fraud manager for financial institution for a long time. If you want to reach out to her, find Sandy Sullivan on LinkedIn. Right now, we'd like to talk about how to report uh, the possibility that financial exploitation is occurring. So there are laws that require people to report financial exploitation in the uh, Texas Human Resources Code. And if you don't report, you can get in trouble with a Class A misdemeanor. So even if you think that you're the type of professional that has a confidential relationship 
and you're prevented from disclosing certain things, this is the one thing you have to disclose. And so people should report this, right, Sandy? Absolutely. So uh, Adult Protective Services uh, in the state of Texas, a requirement is if you see something, say something. It doesn't have to be uh, that you know absolutely everything that's going on, um, but you have a fear factor that something's going on. And so you want to report that. And so for Adult Protective Services, APS, um, you're reporting on um, either uh, abuse, which is physical, sexual, or verbal, um, on uh, neglect, it could be self-neglect or neglect by an, uh, an individual or a care uh, care provider, um, and you're reporting on exploitation. Um, and so um, there is a one uh, eight hundred number. If you go out on uh, you Google Adult Protective Services or you uh, Google Department of Family and Protective Services, um, you'll find a one eight hundred number for them as well as a hotline. Um, that you can actually go online and provide a report uh, to them. This report is anonymous. Um, when it's assigned to somebody, the caseworker can't go out and say, so-and-so is the one that filed this report on you, or this financial institution reported you, or you know this company reported you. Uh, it's to remain anonymous. Uh, the individual may be able to figure it out, you know, based on, you know, mm-hmm. previous contact, but um, it is uh, absolute that anybody that knows that an, uh, a senior, 65 or older, or anybody disabled, uh, 18 to 64, is any of those things are happening to them, then they're required to report. You it. have a duty to report. Correct. So let me reiterate this. If you think that there's elder abuse, and in immediate danger, call 911 or your local law enforcement agency. If you think that there's exploitation, you can call Adult Protective Services at 1-800-252-5400. If you think there's a abuse in a nursing home, there's a different number, 800-458-9858. If you think that it has anything to do with Medicaid, there's a special attorney general Medicaid fraud control unit at 800-252-8011. But just to be clear, if, if you're being abused or suspect someone else is being abused, do not remain silent. If you are aware of a specific act of abuse, neglect, or exploitation, you are required by law to report it. What are some situations that you can remember, a real-life circumstance, where uh, through the bank you you got the idea that um, somebody's money was being misused? Um, We became aware of a customer that um, her electric bill had not been paid and it had been cut off. Um, We... um, filed with um, Adult Protective Services. We also notified um, um, the San Antonio Police Department based on the fact that we found out um, she was actually physically locked in on her property, which meant that she couldn't go out her front gate, and because of her age, she couldn't crawl over it, she couldn't crawl under it, she couldn't get out of it, but she was locked into her property and uh, what have you. So um, we ended up paying her electric bill to get her electricity turned back on. Um, And then uh, the situation, you know, um, escalated, um, found out that it was a uh, nephew had been taking her money. Um, She lived in a room in the house with no air conditioning, and he had a room with an air conditioner in it that he would lock when he left uh, during the day and uh, what have you. So it was a very horrific situation. Um, and a call was made to a niece who was a retired law enforcement officer in another state. Um, she physically came down here and got her aunt and removed her from the situation and uh, what have you. The nephew ended up uh, going to prison wow. and uh, what have you. So um, a good turn of events. Uh, the niece came back for one of his sentencing and uh, came back and, and uh, showed us uh, pictures of how different her aunt looked in between oh, that's the a... before and after. So uh, it was a feel-good. We don't necessarily get to see the mm-hmm. full case as it goes all the way through. And on this one, we were able to see that. So it turned out to be a really good yeah. situation. And, so. and that was a really bad one. 
How about one that isn't so clear cut? Um, you know, we had a little um, elderly lady who um, uh, had come in and she had bruises on her. She indicated, we asked her how she got the bruises. She indicated she fell off of her couch that she rolled off of her couch while she was asleep, um, which didn't make sense to us that you could fall that hard to have that many mm-hmm. bruises on you and what have you. And so once you see, start seeing stuff like that, you start investigating. So, you know, I got told that, you know, she had come in with bruises and, you know, what have you. So I started looking at her, you know, uh, bank statements, um, investigating. Usually if you see some type of abuse, there's also financial exploitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see financial exploitation, sometimes there's other things going on, like isolation or, or uh, abuse of some sort. Um, so we start investigating no matter, you know, which side we're, uh-huh. you know, we're uh, told about and stuff. And so it ended up being that her son had um, lost his business. Um, he was taking money from mom um, and uh, what have you. So we got Adult Protective Services involved in on that. Um, and, um, they were still working on it, um, you know, uh, trying to come up with a game plan for the little lady and, and who is going to be, you know, providing her care. Yeah. That reminded me when you were talking about the, uh, the maintenance of the, the lawn, um, that, that could turn out to be a bad actor. I had a client who was worried about his parents. They weren't, um, necessarily suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, um, but they were older and he was worried about them. So he installed the the cameras around the house mm-hmm. on the outside. And uh, after there was a hailstorm, a few days later, contractors showed up at the front door and he saw them. And um, when they went inside, he left work right away (laughs) and went down there and said, what are you doing? Um, Because he wanted to be involved if there was going to be any repair to the roof, you know, which there might have needed. But to make sure that that was a fair contract and a fair price and all of that. Um, So that's something else that you can do. Um, You can get a smart speaker like uh, Alexa or Google, where where the person can call out, call my son, or uh, uh, an app on the mobile phone to help track and locate an older person. Well, I use that for my kids, too. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Apple Watch has a thing now. If you fall, uh, it can make a phone call directly to 9-11, and then the next phone call goes to the emergency uh, person that you have on the system uh, for them. So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can protect mom and dad. Another thing that I tell um, uh, younger people that have older parents, um, if you have feel you have some issues with mom and dad and how things are being taken care of, you know, expense-wise and that type of thing, is have their mail sent to a P.O. box, and then you're the one that goes and picks up the mail. So you have eyes on it first to determine what is mom and dad getting in the mail, who are they getting the mail from, and uh, so many seniors are getting, you know, they've sent off donations to people, right. but it's not really to a, a valid charity, what mm-hmm. have you, uh, or they think they've won the lottery, and so they're sending money to these people thinking that they're paying for Good the point. taxes and stuff. So you get to see those things, um, you know, eyes on it first. And just tell mom and dad, you know, it's it's so easy for me. I'll just stop by the P.O. box, you know, every other day, pick up your mail, bring it over. That way I get to see you. Yeah, that's a great point because those uh, that fraud happens through the mail as well, as well still because they know older people read the mail more than they go on the internet. Right. And they like to read everything because most of the time they're at home and they're not much to do or they're mm-hmm. watching TV and they look at every piece of their mail that they get. So, <laughs> Okay. Real quickly. Um, this is our last segment, the legacy segment. Wanted to ask you about what you hope your legacy to be or a legacy that that you received or something you've learned from somebody in your family. Um, You know, the legacy that I, you know, that I uh, believe that I'm leaving, that I hope that I'm leaving, is that I believe that I've been put on this earth to give back. 
And, and I'm doing that by the different uh, boards that I'm on, uh, Meals on Wheels, Oasis, South Texas APS Community Board, uh, giving back to the community. The community has given so much to, to myself and my family and uh, what have you, and I feel the need to give back and do things for others that might not be able to help themselves. So I hope that's my legacy. Yeah, given back. I think that's mm. how I'll remember you. Mm. <laughs> and your children, hopefully those are lessons that you've passed down to them. Oh, absolutely. Already. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they uh, are very proud of mom and what she's gotten involved in, and my children are involved in different things, you know, as well. So Good. It's always good, ba- good to give back to the community. Um, some other things that I remembered um, tips that we can use to help those who might be older. Um, I had some clients use this financial app called Mint where they were able to multiple people log in and see how mom and dad's finances were being spent. Right. That, that, you know, more people can bring more perspectives for that. Um, another th- financial thing that they have now are bank alerts where you get a text if some certain amount of money has been spent. Right. Absolutely. And uh, stuff. I always suggest to children that, you, you know, if mom and dad are okay with it, you know, for you to look at their bank statements, to, you know, look at those. Uh, mom and dad also need to know not to have their bank statements sent to their house. Um, you know, have it sent to a P.O. box. Anything financial, don't have it in your mailbox, um, you know, so that somebody could go through the mail and uh, get that information out. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining Talk Law Radio. Um, We'll see you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.